Welcome back to The, the Mentors. Mentors. This is Vadim. And Sergey. And I kind of sang my name there. Did you hear that? Vadim. Vadim. and Sergey. Vadim, Vadim, and Sergey. That is our name. Horrible uh, song. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't hit the top charts just because of the lyrics alone. No, it was it was not very good. But you got to test the market. You got to test the waters. Me and Sergey actually had a performance earlier this week at NYU and we hadn't done like an open mic or performed music in, except for the video you guys may have seen and heard on the show a couple episodes ago. The uh, debut of our parody song, mm-hmm. Folks Like You. But we haven't done an open mic in like six months or something. Yeah. We yeah. used to do them quite a lot. We, uh, let's just face it, we like the sound of our own voices and being in front of people, which is actually why we put on live events for our podcast too. It's fun. You get people together. You get to be on stage. That's why we like public speaking as well. And... Open mics were a great way for us to get out there and just be in front of an audience. And there's a ton in New York City. There's probably a bunch in your city as well. If you want to try your hand at music or comedy, it's a great way to get out there. But anyways, we're not telling you, like, you have to. Yeah. Well, do do what you want. It is kind of relevant to this episode, though, because today we're going to be talking about how to create a very compelling pitch. Oh, and we forgot. Okay, this is a show where we tell (laughs) stories of ordinary people that became extraordinary entrepreneurs despite lack of experience, money, or connections. Yes. And yes, we are talking about a pitch and actually learning how to get on stage and speak in public. It made us more effective at pitching simply because when you are in front of people, the pressure's on and you have to, You over time, you learn how to deliver a message that's more compelling, or at least you're forced to. And I remember actually the first time that I honed my pitching skills was when I was at a conference for a startup that I worked for. And at that conference, I think I probably talked to 200 people that day. And let me tell you, that is the best way to get live feedback on what is happening. And I have a relevant story about conference as well in a few minutes. But if you have an opportunity to either exhibit or just talk to others, just attend a conference and pitch what you're doing, it's amazing because you get instant feedback and you can adjust on the fly. And when I was in sales at that conference, I was talking talking about a student discount program and I would see bored college kids talking to me about what I'm doing, I had to figure out how to get them not bored. And so I had to figure out how to tell a compelling story and that really helped. And public speaking is much like that. Part of the reason why we've been thinking about Elevator Pitch, your sort of short story is because we do work with a lot of entrepreneurs actually. So Sergey, as you know, is a venture investor at NYU. He meets with entrepreneurs on a weekly basis and it's just the worst when you sit down with somebody. I have this happen too, where you sit down with somebody and they try to explain to you what they do or what their company is and it takes them about 20 minutes to get to what it is and you still don't know what they do. I have that happen all the time I don't think it's really the entrepreneur's fault most of the time they just haven't had the practice and the discipline to come up with a concise way to get to their value proposition quickly but it is so so important to do in order to get other people interested in what it is you have to say and continue listening and even for our show you guys have heard us struggling a little bit about our opener it's a similar concept right we are actually in the process of changing it right now and we're trying to figure out what is a better way to communicate what it is that we do through this podcast, both through the interviews that we have with founders and through the advice shows that we do about how to negotiate, how to talk to customers, how to uh, whatever, network with people. And so there's a lot of different topics that we cover from that to fundraise and everything. And how do you put that all into one concise, compelling message? 
We think about that a lot. And this week specifically, I started doing one-on-ones with entrepreneurs with this VC that I work at that has an accelerator program. And typically I do about 30 to 45 minutes with each companies. And for many of them, I was going through the same exercise that we're essentially going to walk through in this episode where we had to take what they were trying to communicate to me in 20 minutes and condense it down to 30 seconds. Which, of course, right away I said, well, you know, they, they would send me, let's say, a bunch of paragraphs of what it is they do. And I would say, okay, how do you cut that down to 30 seconds? And of course, the first question is, how do you do it? It's impossible. There's so much to talk about. The answer is, you have to remove things and your job is not to talk about everything. We're but why? Into why? Why exactly. is that? Yeah. Why do we have to make it shorter? I mean, especially when it's a business that you're running or maybe you're a salesperson for a certain business, you probably feel like you want to make sure that you cover all the bases in case there's something interesting there for that particular person. So why would you want to keep it short with him? Because... Every person cares about different things, and most likely they're not going to care about everything that you have to say. So your job is to get the value, the core value of what it is you're trying to talk about. If it's your business, if it's yourself, whatever it is, get the core value out first, and then use the conversation after you've already sparked their interest, after they've already become engaged because of that initial statement concise statement that you've made, use the rest of the conversation to A, figure out what to care about, and then B, tailor your discussion based on what they care about. That's actually a really important thing, though, to keep in mind. It's easy to say, okay, fine, I'll come up with a concise message. But then if you spend the rest of the conversation talking about yourself without really getting into what the other side cares about, you're going to lose them. And whatever work you did to come up with a compelling message in the very beginning was kind of a waste. And you'll notice this in conversations, networking events, at conferences, at sales pitch conversations, hell, even with uh, potential recruiters that are trying to interview for your job, they will at some point get bored. They might actually start physically displaying that by looking away, by sighing, by picking up, the, if they're picking up their phone and looking through their messages or their emails, then you totally lost them. You, yeah, should, just, that's, you should just stop. That's rude. But <laughs> but I will say don't take someone's signs of disinterest as an insult. In fact, it doesn't benefit you at all to take it as an insult and try to ignore it. You should try to pay attention to that and see if next time you can change what it is that comes out of your mouth so that you can have the person be more engaged. Take it upon yourself to try to engage that person. So I think that brings us to lesson number one, which is if you think you're going to be in a situation where you're going to be pitching someone or you're going to be pitching multiple people over the course of a day, spend some time the day before or the night before thinking about who are the people that I'm going to be interacting with and what motivates them. What do they find interesting? What do they care about? And once you can answer that question, you'll know what to focus on. That's true. You do need to start with learning and understanding about your audience because the pitch will change or the value proposition or whatever it is you're communicating will change depending on who you're talking about. Let's say you're pitching your company and your idea. It's fine to have one standard eight second, this is what we do, sort of almost slogan. But then the rest of the elevator pitch needs to focus on or be related to whatever it is that person cares about. So if it's an investor, right, you can talk about what you are, you can talk about the problem you're addressing, but then ultimately investors primarily care about two things. One, is it a big enough opportunity? And two, how are you de-risking it? 
Have you done the work to actually increase the chances of them getting their money back if they do invest? Or whether your team has some sort of expertise that no one else in the world has, whether you have some sort of crazy technology competitive advantage that nobody has in a place where it's a big opportunity. These are the things that investors care about. But if you're going to be talking to, for example, a potential customer, you don't need to talk about how big the opportunity is or how important it is for your business to be around. All you need to address is what they care about, which is what particular problem you're solving for them or time you're saving for them or money you're saving for them. So for them, it's not market opportunity, but let's say maybe it's like Sergey said, a revenue opportunity. Hey, with our product, you could be making more money. You're leaving money on the table. Or hey, with our product, you could be a lot more effective with your operations and cut a lot of costs, right? Whatever it is your value proposition is based on, depending on who you're talking to, will have to adjust. So I'll give you an example. When I was in that first conference as I think a 24, 25 year old first time salesperson for a product, it was a student discount program where we tried to get college kids to sign up to a cashback program that we offered by partnering with merchants. At first, that's exactly how I started talking about it. I said, yes, we're a national student discount program where we partner with merchants to offer you discounts. Okay, does that elicit any kind of emotional feeling at all in the person and make them care no i got bored before you started talking no everybody offers discounts to students what are you doing that's interesting why do, why should i sign up now and the more i went through the day and actually my job that day was to try to get as many people as possible to sign up the more i thought about okay what does that person care about well they care about pizza. (laughs) They care about beer. Maybe they care about getting cool clothes that other people don't have. So I focused on that. I would ask them questions like, where do you like to shop? Or what kind of food do you like to eat around near campus? And then I would say something like, well, we offer you 20 to 30% off on pizza that you get every weekend. So you can save a bunch of money and buy beer right? Or we offer discounts at Forever 21 so that you can buy a bunch of clothes and be the coolest looking kid at school, right? But now I'm talking about value statements for the college student, not what I care about, but what they actually care about to compel them to sign up. Yeah. And then you can adjust your eight second slogan there as well. Instead of saying we offer student discounts by partnering with merchants, you could say now that you've created this story in their minds, you could say every day when you buy lunch, At all these locations near Fenway Park, because you go to a school, uh, to Boston University, uh, at all these locations at Fenway Park, every time you swipe your card, we automatically deposit a discount into your bank account. Wow, that feels powerful. That's actual money that you're giving me. I can visualize that. I do that every day. I care about that. More compelling way to position your message. The thing to consider when you're thinking about an elevator pitch isn't that you need to communicate all of the value in the world. It has only one job and one job only. An elevator pitch is there to pique interest and compel the other person that you're talking to to continue to listen to ask you questions. That is gonna be your opportunity to then dive deep into whatever it is your expertise is or whatever your product does or depending on the situation. But don't think that an elevator pitch will solve all these problems and will do everything for you. It shouldn't. That's not its job. Its job is to only continue the conversation. And so this is why it should be really focused. This is why it needs to be tight and have much less information, only the most important data. I actually talk about this with emails all the time because me and Sergey, again, as you heard in that song, we send a lot of cold emails and warm emails. And one of the biggest reasons why our emails do well and get responses is because they're tight and they're focused and they are designed for one action, which is to get a response. That's your only goal with an email. It's not to convince somebody to be a lifetime partner. It's not to convince somebody to spend a million dollars with you. It's to compel them to respond to you and get on the phone or sign up for a trial or whatever it is your goal is from that particular person, right? To get them to a meeting, grab coffee with you. So if 
your email is accomplishing that. If the language in your email is likely to accomplish that, then you're on the right track. If there's excess information there that might actually reduce the chances of somebody agreeing to what it is you're trying to ask for, then you should remove it. Don't have extra friction. It's the same reason why Sergey and I say, let's say if you want to schedule a call with somebody, give them an option of one or two times to uh, talk to you. Don't tell them, talk to me on the phone or I can meet in person or, you know what, I'm going to be at this conference next week that I think you're attending to. We can meet there. You just give them a bunch of options and you're increasing friction. Actually, you're making it harder for them to act. Only include the information that's most important. Same thing with your elevator pitch. So lesson number one was to know your audience before you even come up with the pitch and only communicate things that you think they care about or gets them excited. Again, it's a guess, but you're going to adjust it as you go along and hopefully the message becomes more and more compelling. Lesson number two was keep it focused and tight around only what's the most relevant information and remove everything else that's irrelevant. Again, so you can get the person to act in this case so that you can get them engaged so that they continue the conversation with you because that's typically what happens in a pitch situation or you want them to ask questions. And the third lesson and equally as important not to be discounted is to rehearse (laughs) practice. You will not get better at delivering your message unless you actually take the time to repeat it, practice it, know it inside and out, know those value statements inside and out. And actually, we recommend that you not only repeat it, but also write it down, script it out. Once you come up with something that sounds interesting, make sure that it's captured somewhere so that you don't forget it. People underestimate the value of actually writing something down on paper because we assume a lot of times that, oh yeah, we're gonna be able to remember this idea that we had for a business or this uh, really cool way of messaging whatever it is that we're trying to sell, you won't. You won't because we think about too many things throughout the day. We have way too many inputs. You need to write it down. Whenever I'm in a meeting with a founder and they're not taking notes feverishly, I'm upset because I know for a fact that the minute they leave, they're going to forget it. And there's no way in heck that they're actually going to try to apply whatever value we were able to generate in that meeting. Now, do whatever works for you. Some people are auditory learners, and so they record sessions and they listen back. That's pretty time consuming. I tend to write these things down so that I can look, review them, and actually memorize them if need be for another pitch. You can totally memorize it, practice it over and over again until it becomes second nature. Actually, that opener for the show that we've been using for the past year. This is a show where we tell stories of ordinary people that became extraordinary entrepreneurs despite lack of experience, money, or connections. In the beginning, for some reason, I just could not remember it, so I just had it written down in our notepad here on the computer in our editing tool. That's fine. You guys didn't know that. You know it now. You don't judge me. I actually remembered it. There's no shame in actually writing it down so that you can recall it. Now, I'm going to say something that is a little bit contrarian to what Vadim just said. Not about practicing. You should absolutely practice. But memorizing is one tactic that works for people. And sometimes Vadim and I employ that tactic. But another tactic to avoid having to memorize something is to actually simplify it so much and use such simple language that you're really just telling a story and you don't really have to memorize it at all. And I'll give you an example of a meeting that I had this week with a founder who had a pretty interesting piece of technology that they have developed. And they were at a sort of a showcase, kind of like a tabling event where they had a bunch of people over the course of two, three hours coming up to them. They probably spoke to about 100 people at least. And they were telling me that they actually had trouble keeping people engaged and communicating the value. People would either walk away or they would be confused or they just wouldn't get them to take the step that they wanted, which is exchange business cards so they could follow up with them because there were some important people at this event. And so my colleague and I, we were sitting in this meeting and we're like, okay, well, why don't you 
tell us your pitch. Now, usually that makes the person freeze, which is why, going back to our previous point, it's so important to actually put yourself in that role-playing live situation where you're going to be pitching it, whether you do it in front of your significant other or your grandma, it doesn't matter. But he started reciting the pitch back to us, and actually, at first, he was silent for about 20 seconds. He was not ready to do it right, when we put him on the spot. So I wanted to relieve the pressure a little bit, and I went to his co-founder, and I said, why don't you help him out? Why don't you tell us what you do? And he started getting into it by setting up the problem. He said, well, brands currently have all these engineering resources that they have to use, and so do marketing agencies. When they try to work with animations to then be able to leverage digital marketing, wow, I cut him off actually right there. I was about to cut you off. (laughs) Most monotone thing I've ever heard. I mean, first of all, he was just dropping a bunch of buzzwords there. He's spending way too much time setting up the problem. I already forgot. Like, I have no idea what he does and he's trying to frame this thing for him that it just makes me bored immediately and also I kind of have to be an expert in what brands do digital marketing animations like all these things now that I have to be an expert in to understand what it is that he does and I challenged him and said what's the simplest possible way you can describe this? I mean, imagine you have somebody walk by that knows nothing about what you do. And actually, they do have pretty amazing technology that lets you animate pretty much anything and create video content with it. And so I came up with a little six or seven word slogan for them pretty much right on the spot. And here's what it was. And by the way, you'll notice how very just conversational it was. Do you know how Snapchat has these filters that you can create videos or pictures of. Well, we let brands do exactly the same thing with our animation technology. That's all that I, that they had to say. They didn't have to set up the problem. They didn't have to set up why they do what they do. You already know the value of a Snapchat filter. It's fun and it gets people engaged. You can get into how cool your technology is later. You can get into the ecosystem and why brands want to do this later. But just to communicate what you do and the value of it, Try to figure out in that situation what is going to be the simplest way to describe something in a way that the person understands exactly what it is right away. Oftentimes, we make things way harder on ourselves than we need to. People are actually just trying to get to the core of what it is that you're explaining to them. And ultimately, your only goal is to just keep them interested. Why make it harder on yourself? Don't tell them the whole world. Try to condense it to as few words as possible. I know that it hurts sometimes. I know that there's a lot more that you want to tell them because you're so awesome or your product is or whatever it is. But if it doesn't get you closer to your goal, then maybe you shouldn't do it. That's true. And that was also a situation where it was a showcase of different startups. So the expectation is when somebody comes up to you, they want to know what you do. They want to know how it works right? And so that's why that pitch was appropriate for that situation. So look, we know we can't sit down with all of you individually. That would take all life (laughs) to go through your elevator pitches and help you adjust your messaging. But I bet you have a friend that is just really smooth and suave. Is that suave? Suave. Smooth operator that you can just kind of role play with. It's supposed to be uncomfortable. I remember this, uh, it was actually yesterday at about 3.30, I was sitting down with an entrepreneur and he had a hard time explaining his business. And I said, okay, I'm at an event. You have 20 seconds. Go. Now, look, I put him on the spot. He got, he lasted about nine seconds. And he's like, I'm sorry. I messed up. I'm like, don't worry about it. It's supposed to be hard. I put you on the spot on purpose. Because right now with me, this is your opportunity to mess up. Because I don't care. But in the future, 
you might not have the same opportunity. That's why it's called an elevator pitch. The whole point is the pressure's on. You have about 10 flights of stairs to get somebody excited. How do you do it? And the only way to do it is to practice it and mess up and go through the discomfort that is figuring out how to actually keep somebody engaged and interested. So grab a friend and practice with them. It's okay if it's uncomfortable, but that's one great way to do it because your friend's not gonna judge you. And if they do, I don't know, you can beat them at Bear Pond later or something. Now we know a lot of people love frameworks and if you're sitting there, you might be thinking, well, okay, but can you tell me exactly how to at least structure this thing? We'll give you, we'll give you one. We'll okay. give it to you. We'll give it to you, but- Because we know you want it. We know you want it, but don't rely on it, okay? Don't let this be a crutch because even though you might want it to be a science, it is more of an art. That's what language is. It depends on your situation, how you can finesse somebody into liking what it is you do or enjoying what it is you're talking about. So every situation is gonna be very, very different. This framework that we're gonna tell you is by no means applicable to everybody, but it should give you a good start. First, think about how to condense the description of what it is you do, your product or service or yourself, in about eight seconds. Think about it as a slogan, if you will, but essentially just literally eight seconds, one sentence, what do you do? To continue the pitch in the conversation, the next thing you can talk about is the problem, the problem that your product or service is solving, or your expertise, I guess, is, is another way to think about it. But what is your problem or opportunity? What is the opportunity for the person or the market that you're addressing? And the last thing is your solution. So you have a problem statement and then the solution that addresses that particular problem. That's one way to think about it, right? Statement of what you do to get them hooked, the actual opportunity and problem, and then the actual solution in a little bit more depth. And that should be enough to get them to ask you more questions and continue to probe for you to then communicate the full value of what it is that you're talking about. So look, pitching, even though it sounds like it's some sort of like a formal word almost, like, okay, like the pitch, you know? You have to learn how to do it through some sort of frameworks or through taking a class on it. And, you know, that could be helpful. I mean, if you're just completely clueless and you need that kind of structure, go ahead and find that for yourself. But it really is about trial and error and putting yourself out there. And I also think it's about self-awareness too, right? You have to be self-aware enough to know if people are getting bored when you're telling them something and knowing that you should probably adjust what that is and noticing when it's actually starting to work and people are getting excited and their eyes light up. If you don't really know how to read body language, that's not your thing, then maybe you should read a book about body language because that can be really, really helpful in figuring out how to adjust the pitch and how to present yourself. Also, don't get married to any one pitch. Let's say you did the whole statement problem solution, but then later you realized, oh wait, we're further along and now we have uh, customers like, I don't know, like a huge B2B partnership with Walmart. Well, maybe that's something you say in the first sentence. That establishes credibility and that might really pique somebody's interest. So this is one of those living and breathing things that should constantly be adjusted. And maybe you land on something that works well for a while, but then eventually as things change, again, it's okay to kind of go back, break it apart, change it, and figure out what sounds better and works better. Hopefully this was helpful for anybody that's trying to figure out how to communicate their own value to the world in a compelling way. It is an incredibly important thing to focus on and it is a good skill to learn, especially if you're going out there, putting yourself out there, meeting new people. People get bored, people care about themselves, people have a ton of ideas and thoughts in their minds and they're constantly getting interrupted with messages and content and whatever. So how do you, in that moment, say something compelling so that they're interested in you and want to learn more? 
And if you really, really still are having a hard time of coming up with an elevator pitch for what it is that you do or what your business does, reach out to us. It's just our first names at thementors.co or even if you fill out the form on our website, that goes directly to Vadim and I and we're happy to help you along with your pitch. That's it for this week's episode of The Mentors and we'll see you back here on Sunday. Laters. Bye-bye. Teach us how to be more effective pitchmen. Pitchmen? Pitchmen?